Dave, the hottest 100. We we kind of recapped it last week in a purely ac- completely accurate recap. True, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's 2016. We're not mucking around anymore. We got to start letting our audience know what is coming up in well, the Ale of a Time brand, right? Yeah, I think in terms of like analysis of mm-hmm. the the hottest 100. I think we need to do more of that. No, because like that, yeah, it gives you all. It's all the hottest 100 is give you a subset of data. Yep. But you can't get anything from that unless yep. you look further and dig deeper. Yep. So I think that will be uh, what is get, it gets explored over the next few weeks. Definitely, definitely. Um, what's, what, what's your first post going to be? So my first post is um, how a beard impacts a brewery's placing in the Hottest yeah, 100. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, because I think, you know, there are, I'm going to call it the beard factor. Yep. Uh, and I think that's kind of the analysis we need. Um, you, you had an idea though. What was your idea? Yeah, uh, well, it's it's critical um, to a successful uh, brewery brand is that um, why it's crucial that you need to have an animal involved that is not a dog. Dogs are down this year. Yeah, dogs are down. Other animals. Twenty sixteen, no good for dogs. Yeah. Uh, what else did you have? The other one I had was um, the ingredient that we think is going to be the the next riser. Mm-hmm. Looking at the trend, mm-hmm. we've we've really gone into the data and the metadata yeah. well we've hit a stage of the growth of the industry where you need to be ahead of the curve yeah um, so go ahead so the, the, what, the, what did you find the data and especially the metadata is yeah. telling us that cauliflower 2017 or 2016 mm-hmm. results oh, so if you want to be ahead of the curve 2016 yeah. is your so year. I think the number one beer next year is cauliflower but mm-hmm. I'll explore this in a thousand words on a blog you will hear you will hear more about this later on also a hops really important are they important? Well, let's explore that even more. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to really getting some metadata, mm-hmm. some data, some data about the metadata, mm-hmm. some meta, meta, metadata. Stay tuned, guys, because we're going to deep dive into this The hottest 100 analysis is just going to keep on coming. Yeah, exactly. Afternoon, Dave. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. We're yeah. sitting here at Bad Shepherd. We've um, just finished recording, which you'll hear in a second. Mm. It was a good one. The venue's starting to fill up, and I feel like we're taking up eight places. We really are. Maybe we should relocate. Uh, let's 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 bang this let's out. Do some and we'll relocate. We'll relocate. Yeah, good okay. sign for these guys. Oh, mate, they're flying. Yeah. Um, we just worked through their beers. They were they were excellent. I loved them all. Um, yeah, their pale, I think, might be my favourite. The brown, I really enjoyed as well. So it's um. Yeah, it's a good venue. So Bad Shepherd, for those that don't know, uh, based in what's the what's the suburb? Cheltenham, I think officially. Yep. Um, kind of newish, uh, sharing a brew with Wolf of the Willows. You would have heard it discussed on our episode with them a few mm-hmm. months ago. Um, yeah, really impressed with, with what we've seen. We're going to get some lunch later on, and can't wait. Yeah. Now, before we get into that, I've got some news that I want to talk about. Let's run through some stuff. Big Bear Bashes is coming up here mm-hmm. in Melbourne, which is the... You might have heard us talk about it because we love to talk about it because yep. we're involved. <laughs> yes, um, it's the local tap house's cricket match where they basically get a uh, whole bunch of beer riders and a whole bunch of brewers and their own staff and play a charity game of cricket. For St Kilda Primary School, which I don't know if there's many better causes than that. Yep. Not St Kilda specifically, but I mean, yep. give money to primary schools, eh? Um, so yeah, that's going to happen on February 27th. So 
if you're in the neighbourhood, you can come along and get a couple of beers, a sausage sizzle, and watch some people flail yep. around on a cricket field. Cans only these days. There's an amazing selection of cans Life. available. Pirate Life, Six String, I think, yep. Colonial, Mountain Goat. You know yep. the low, you know the, the usuals. Uh, it's always a good day. Pete Mitchum is the mic'd up umpire. He's yep. always very, very entertaining. Um, uh, you'll. We're, I'm promising that the maestros of Malt are bringing home the cup this year. Hopefully. Maybe I'll get out of the nets because I've flailed the last couple of years. Uh, I feel like I had a strong year last year. It can only go up from here. Yeah, get on board. It's, it's going to be a good, a, day. a good day out. Um, the next thing I've got it written down is tasting. Um, yeah. So the tasting I held last week went really well. Uh, met a couple of listeners there um, cool. that I hadn't met before. Bray, um, shout out to Bray. He's always giving us some tips yep, on the thing on Twitter um, and another guy I can't remember his name and I feel really bad he's going to be disappointed yeah um, but thanks for coming along it was a lot of fun what was the uh, standout beer uh, mixed bag for a lot of people yeah. I think um, Cola Nick was really interesting because it was murky the one from Mash Brewing yep the I think the Boone Oud Creek Classic. really stood out yep. um, yeah people enjoyed sours and it was a, a really lot of fun so awesome. yeah thanks for coming along everyone uh Put up a new Q&A about a homebrew book uh-huh. uh, on the site, which is going to be really interesting. I haven't actually got the book yet, but um, check out the site. There's heaps of details about it. So this guy's basically gone through historical records of Australian homebrew. Awesome. And um, <clears throat> basically told a story that no one's telling is how beer tasted throughout the ages in Australia. Fascinating. Um, there's a Q&A on my site, and the same day Crafty Pint also put up a Q&A. <laughs> Great minds think alike, I think. It's uh, a good way of putting it. There's a lot of copy and pasting from the <laughs> from Peter Simmons who wrote the book, but um, no, he gave us some really good answers, and yeah. Cool. Check out the book. What's next on the list? Hottest 100. Oh, why do I have that down? I don't know what happened. You've I read about it now. I think we're done with that, yeah. Um, Dave Warner. Did you see this? Uh, so is this he, the golden ale? He had a yeah, crown so golden hilarious. ale. And the apology was better than the actual event itself. Well, yeah. the, the issue that I took with it was that... So he's been off the booze for a year. And he's on stage and has handed the sponsor's product, basically like peer pressured into it. He naturally winced because he hasn't been drinking beers, you know, beer for a long time. And, and didn't enjoy that, that first sip, which is a good sign. Like, yeah. yeah, so he had to all then apologise... And I, I made this sort of comment on the blog sarcastically, but I, I'm serious. Like, it's so so terrible that this person's trying to avoid booze because mm-hmm. he doesn't like how he acts on it. Yeah, which is an awesome thing. Yet he has to apologise for not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, like, why even hand him a beer if he's off the beer? Don't don't force him to it's drink something. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, uh, the weird kind of blokiness around that just made me. It's a really bad move. Uh, Just the corporate pressure around it, though, is disgusting. Yep. It's a shame. Yeah, it really is. The other news I have is uh, Yellowtail, yeah, the wine Kinsella brand, and, and Yinder, yeah. Yinder, American, Australian Brew Co., or whatever. So Yellowtail are launching a beer brand in the States, uh, which is a crazy move. Mm. I don't know why you'd put a pale ale into that market. Um, the costs must be ridiculous. Uh, I, I struggle to see the logic behind it. See how they go. Yellowtail yeah. sells a lot of sells a lot in the states. Yeah, but I think they might have a better grasp of the market uh, from that side of things. Well, I guess I wine know. is chucking a pale ale into that market seems. So like they're doing a crazy. pale, they're doing a wheat and a lager, I think, and they're all as generic. You know, whenever a brand launches a pale ale in Australian market, you know what you're getting. It's the exact like a carbon copy mm-hmm. of oh, it works in the Australian market. Yeah, crazy. 
disappointed. Oh, not disappointed, just think it's a strange move. Bruce Vegas happens next month in Brisbane. Fine. Uh, if you're in Brisbane, I think maybe you and I should look through the guide and do a bit of a rundown next next episode. Good idea. Uh, things that we would go to. Um, and if you're in Brisbane and you have some hot tips. Let us know. Yeah. We'd, love to, we'd love to hear what the uh, hyped events are. The other thing I have is um, also in Brisbane, the uh, Australian Craft Beer Awards are going to be there. So it's the Craft Beer Industry Association mm-hmm. Organised Awards. They're going to be in July. Um, so now it's kind of the first first awards outside of a uh, you know major awards outside of Melbourne and Sydney for Brisbane. So Brisbane, Brisbane's yeah. the hot spot, isn't it? There's a lot of stuff happening there that I don't we know about. We should get up there, I reckon. Yeah, maybe we should. Mm. That's all the news that I have. All right. Let's um, go to That's our main life. interview. Good night. Do you remember that? Were you here for that? No, I wasn't. Uh, I can't remember who his sign up it used to be. Let's go to our main interview because yeah, okay. it was far more entertaining than oh, us. Oh, well, a lot better than this garbage, yeah. And then we'll come back from that and um, a couple give of some recommendations. recommendations, huh? Good one. Uh, welcome to Bad Shepherd, everyone. Dave, how's it going? Very well, you? Oh, I'm very good, thanks. Excellent. Um, and we'll welcome our, our guest, Derek and Diddy from Bad Shepherd. How's it going? Very well. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about Bad Shepherd? Uh, yeah, sure. So we are a uh, brew pub, uh, microbrewery um, with an on-site brewery and on-site barbecue smokehouse. So um, it's a restaurant and brewery. Um, we smoke um, a wide variety of meats, um, all American-influenced um, Pulled pork, chicken wings, ribs, brisket, coleslaw, mac and cheese, all matched to beers produced on site. Um, we have a range of uh, four different regular beers plus one to two seasonals. Um, and then we share our brewery with um, uh, Wolf of the Willows, who also make the beer here too. And we, and we sell their beers plus a couple of guest tabs. Cool. Yeah. And did you look after the front of house kind of? I do, yes. So the uh, restaurant and the food is very much my baby. Um, so I manage all the staff here and look after the venue and we try and keep Derek out as much as we can and have him focused on the beer. So <laughs> so I'm very much responsible for the menu. Um, and at the start, um, before we started recording, you mentioned this is kind of your first hospitality uh, experience. How's it going? I'm loving it actually. I um, I have a pretty diverse work background. So I started off as a primary school teacher, um, then moved into adult learning and development, and have been in HR and then corporate affairs, and eventually online digital comms. So really nice to take a break from the um, corporate world, but. A lot of what I've done has still very much been customer-focused, um, so that is not that different, but um, it's a lot of fun. It's like coming to work with your friends and having a party every night, really. Um, I mean, every job has its good and bad aspects and stuff that you have to do, all the housekeeping, but um, no, on the whole, loving it. And how did, how did you guys get to this point? Like, what's the, uh, what's the journey from <laughs> yeah, not, not owning a brewery to owning a brewery? It's been an incredibly long journey. So Definitely. this has been four years in the making. Oh, uh, I'd go closer to six now. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, last two years have flown by. I almost forgot them. Um, so really, it was probably five to six years ago when Derek approached me with this dream and vision of having his own microbrewery and and brew pub. And um, from way back then, he started his business plan, which was 
probably two years in of itself refining it, um, getting our business model correct and it's been through many iterations and then from that moving on to um, location searching so that was a two-year process as well um, so it was back in 2014 that we first came across the property that we're in now um, and first leased it in August beginning of August 2014 so it's taken that long to get council permits and the place organised and set up so it's been a really really long journey it's been a roller coaster so a lot of ups and downs and moments when we thought oh my god what are we doing we, we could be enjoying <laughs> some nice nine to five jobs and having great work-life balance and now we have no work-life balance but we're having a ball so it's awesome awesome um now i guess for those that aren't familiar with the area we're what is the, this area of Melbourne? How, do, how would you describe it in terms of uh, demographics? And so technically it's the suburb of Cheltenham, um, but it's literally on the corner. If you look across the street, you're in Sandringham. And if you go across the street the other way, you're in Hyatt. And a kilometre south of us is Balmoris. So it's kind of where four suburbs all come together. It's very residential in every direction. Um, but it's, um, it's kind of a suburban, affluent, educated, professional community in kind of every direction. Um, but there isn't really craft beer anywhere um, in any direction. The closest you get is Grape and Grain and Moorabbin. Um, and other than that, it's kind of a wasteland until you get in towards Boat Rocker or Two Brothers. So um, we really viewed this area as a prime opportunity for taking craft beer to people that from a, at least from an income point of view and from an education point of view, should already be into it. Um, some are and some are just discovering it, but um, it really was a wasteland. And we've, we thought rather than try to do a wholesale business and try to push it out there, we thought we'd bring them to us. So yeah. when we found the place, we thought it was perfect. And we're local to the area, so we're in Mentone. Um, and we love this part of Melbourne. You know, it's close to the beach. It's near the train. Um, it's not that long a commute into the city. Um, it's got a great vibe down here, but what we found as locals and what a lot of locals have been telling us is there's just been no, um, there hasn't been that growth in terms of retail and venues in the area that you see in other areas of Melbourne um, and, and certainly north of the city in terms of good venues to go out to. So um, we think we're filling a gap there. Was that kind of the approach in terms of, you know, for a lot of people, the beer is kind of secondary and they just come and ha it's a nice place to come and have a drink. And, you know, the bonus is it's locally made beer. Was that kind of in your mind when you were setting it up? A bit of both. Yeah, I, like we always had a dream of, of running a brewery. Like that, that was definitely at the forefront. But um, we really wanted, when we started thinking about how we want to entertain people and, and let people enjoy, it started to become r really apparent that we're just a facilitator for people to enjoy themselves. And that's when we came up with Bad Shepherd and leading you into temptation. The whole idea is that we, we enable that. So when people come in here, we want you to just let it all go and have a great time. Um, we're, we're not in the spotlight, we're in the background. So yeah, I think in the end, it ended up more being about uh, letting people enjoy themselves, um, but enabled by the beer and food we make. What's your uh, background in brewing? How did you, uh, I guess, get to the point where you're brewing in a commercial kit? Uh, so I started six years ago, six years ago in the making, um, I actually started, um, I received a uh, homebrew uh, kit as a present at Christmas and um, I made a few beers and they were terrible. Uh, I couldn't drink them, let alone give them to my friends. And 
And I tried saying something for your first homebrew. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> you're so excited, you want to try it. But I, it was it was not good. So I um, I ended up um, I made the, I, I decided to just throw it away. And I went online and I found this Aussie homebrewer site. And I jumped on there and I said, I've got this homebrew stuff and I can't make beer. Does anybody want it? And the responses I got were like through the roof. All these really passionate homebrewers said, you can make beer. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And I actually read it and thought, all right, I'm going to give it a, cry, uh, a crack. So I, I read How to Brew by John Palmer um, and, and figured out how to properly sanitize and temperature control my beer. Made a beer and it came out okay. And I made another one and it came out okay. And then I discovered how to properly temperature control with a fridge made those put them in a competition and they won and then i made a couple more and put them in and they won and i thought hey maybe there's something here maybe i can make beer <laughs> so so i kept making uh more and more and then i discovered uh, a passion well i always had a passion for beer but i figured i could marry up a passion with my ability to make beer so um and we always wanted to do something um and just thought you know why not do something that's a labor of love um so i started drafting a business plan um, we always felt it'd be better to entertain and do a brew pub, which is not really done in Melbourne anyway. It's more who we are. Um, so I started drafting a business plan, um, and then started looking at locations, figuring out more and more about brewing. Um, and then I approached Craft Foods and asked them where I used to work um, in marketing, and I asked them if I could move from five down to four days a week. And I approached Mornington Brewery and asked them if I could go down and brew at their facility for a day a week as an intern. And um, and they said yes. So I ended up spending a, more like about a year and a half down there, just one day a week brewing. At the start, I was just washing kegs. And by the end, AJ was letting me in the door and just brew, um, which is great. It got me confidence in the system. Did a bit of technical training as well. And by the end of that, felt ready. And we just went on the hunt for a location and eventually found this. So it's a story of uh, people encouraging you along the way when you were going to chuck it in. And Oh, definitely. And There's some passion homebrewers out there, <laughs> for sure. So. Yeah. I just love the idea that yeah, you were uh, the way you got into it almost was by wanting to sell your sell your kit, yeah, um, and that led you here. Yeah, That's awesome. you can go from throwing away a homebrew kit to owning a brew pub. Um, I've not tried any of the beers, Dave. You've tried the beers, yeah, abs- absolutely solid. Do you, do really you have good. any favourites of uh, Hazelnut Brown? I think is a popular for everyone that I've talked to anyway. Is, um, awesome. is that becoming the flagship beer? Would you say that, Dave? As a, as a uh, yeah, that and the APA are, are really, really strong. So um, it's the the pale is the pale that we we, we like. So um, clean, uh, hoppy, perfect. Yeah. So they're all like, how did you arrive at the four beers in the core range? Because uh, well, good question. The first two I've just been working on for ever. Um, my hazelnut brown and American pale ale, I probably made the American pale ale over a hundred times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the hazelnut brown probably a good 30. So I've just kind of been living and breathing those. Um, and we just thought, we always wanted a, a hoppy, drinkable, sessionable beer. Um, whether you call that a session IPA, American pale ale, uh, there's so many ways to do it. We're getting it. caught it's up in too many labels, ale. right? Yeah. <laughs> so we call it American pale. Um, and then uh, the brown ale, I just felt there wasn't a lot of beers out there that were brown and, and celebrated what malt can be in a brown ale. There's a lot of good roasty beers. The closest is probably the, the Temptress um, from mm. Porter, but there kind of was nothing else. And we felt there was a space there and, and thought it balances out that hoppy beer. And then we looked at a mid-strength in the tiny IPA. There's not many decent mid-strengths. And I used to see it at mornings and people would come in and they'd be like, uh, what do you have for, uh, for light beer? And then they'd say, well, we've got the pale ale. 
and you just see the the, the deflation because mm. he's the driver, right? Mm. <laughs> and he didn't want to. <laughs> so we thought, you know, uh, and Morning's got great range, and just yeah, I, and and people would still have a great time, but just I felt like there was an opportunity there with our brew pub to do. Uh, mid-strength so um so we came up with an ipa that we just kind of cut in half in terms of gravity um and still hopped the heck out of it and it's still really bitter so um and then the and then we wanted to make a lager but not truly make a lager because it takes too long um and a steam beer is a lager um mm -hmm. we couldn't call it steam beer for fear of it being confused with mountain goat steam ale which is not a steam beer mm. um, the yeast is called california lager we love the term um and i found a um I found a recipe that um, from the 19th century gold rush, and I basically brewed that, and then I just slowly adapted it into what I thought was good because it wasn't with, the <laughs> with cluster hops on their own. It's not very good. <laughs> so, so, so what sort of hops do you use in your one then? Um, in the California lager, we put um, Northern Brewer, Cascade, Ella, and Cluster to stay true to form. So yeah. there is Cluster in there. But Northern Brewer is kind of the one that's associated with that style as well, Steam right? Beer, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's more... So Northern Brewer um, has taken over from Cluster as the hop, but the yeah. original 19th century used cluster so we we put both um but then to round it out and give it a bit more flavor we throw cascade and then a bit of ella ella i find um bounces out because it's quite um distinct and that melon um really punches through and balances against the woody quite nicely so there's mm. a fair bit of ella in that too how did you come across that recipe um i just researched homebrew forums again and um and i think i found it on the byo uh, magazine uh, forums so I'm pretty sure actually I can't recall now I'll have to go back and look actually I just I found a few there's a lot of people that are quite passionate about doing old recipes and so I kind of went through and I found a few and I found one that I thought found was interesting to brew um, but again it just had too much cluster and cluster is a very rough hop mm. and it wasn't it just <laughs> wasn't a nice beer so <laughs> I had to rebrew it a few times and, and dial down there's only there's there, there's cluster in there but it's well complemented by other yeah fair enough and the so other one is the raspberry wit yeah so the raspberry wheat is a, um, it's an American wheat um, that has a really neutral yeast profile. Um, and we've thrown, uh, I let it ferment right through. And then I added uh, raspberries that were pureed fresh on the day um, and de-seeded and then just pushed straight into the fermenter. They ferment right through. It's very dry, dry as a bone. Um, it doesn't, um, doesn't have any residual sugar. Um, in fact, the gravity is that finishes at about 10.06. Um, so it's very low. Um, and the... Uh, and the pH, which a beer normally finishes around 4.4, uh, it's 3.5. So the pH is so it's very tart, very dry, very and but really fresh. It's got a beautiful raspberry nose and bright red, but it's not sweet. And the pH is that changes from the raspberries? Do you think? Or is yeah, it, it definitely does. It was 4.4 before I added the raspberries, and yeah, then cool. it just dropped right away. So which is pretty cool. So yeah, awesome. The yeah. Um, other one, the hazelnut brown. That that I guess the reason I know about it, it was the top 100. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that everyone says, you know, you need to have national distribution and brew pale ales to get in the top 100. And yeah. you don't have either of those things in terms of that, that beer doesn't, you know, it's not a pale yeah. and it's not national. Yeah. Uh, you got, were you guys pretty chuffed to? Oh, we were so excited. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I couldn't, I was blown away when it happened actually. But um, I was actually brewing um, up in Dermot where we were making our beers before, um, before the brewery was operational here. And, Diddy called me and she's like, we're in the hottest 100. <laughs> I, just, I think I let out a big whoop right, right in the, I couldn't believe it. But yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. We're excited about it. And it's pretty cool how we kind of 
followed suit with our brewing partner, yeah, Wolf exactly. of the Willows, they who were number one last, last year. Last yeah. year. So, you know, it was really cool. And the fact that they got number 38 was just... Not high enough, blue. as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good beer. It is. It's a great beer. And, and when they released the number 101 to 200, they were their other two beers were in there. And we snuck in at 193 again. But mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Which one made so, 193? Uh, the Pale Ale. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Excellent. Cool. So you want to capitalize on that next year then? And, uh, oh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, we haven't distributed anywhere, so it was just our patron base and, and our friends. Obviously, mm. we asked our friends um, if they'd support us. But, um, yeah, our patron base were right behind the hazelnut, which is great. So it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's good to way. see that kind of beer get traction, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because when you look at that list, it, there's uh, just a lot of hoppy beers. The Temptress was in there again. Um, but other than that, I think that gets like really... Um, identified as chocolate rather than yeah. a porter or a brown yeah. ale, so um, yeah. I don't yeah. even wouldn't even consider the two beers in the same. No, I agree. Profile, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it was, ours celebrates what a brown ale can be. Um, yeah, and, and we put the brown ale has um, twenty kilograms of toasted hazelnuts, six liters of uh, hazelnut extract, a liter of vanilla, and two bottles of Frangelico in there. Wow, so it's got it's an <laughs> insane amount of nut. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's very dry. It's not overly cloying or sweet. And I think that's, it's a hard thing to strike a balance when you throw a lot of things that sweeten up a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have people come in here on a Friday night and they'll just sit on it all night. It's just, a lot, it's a lot of people, it's their, it's their passion. Um, I, you know, people will tell us if it's the flagship. I think the pale ale is the top seller, but it seems like the brown is the one people are most passionate about. Mm. So I don't know where that's going to net out. Yeah, you'll probably find a lot of people go to it um, in cooler months as well. Yeah. Uh, when it comes, but I yeah. mean, get some barbecue. Summer and so far. And uh, brown pale ale. ale, that'll go down pretty well, I think. <laughs> yeah. Sidney, <laughs> what's yeah. the um, what sort of feedback do you get on like? Do you get people coming that aren't familiar with a brown ale? Because a lot of Australians, you know, it's not something you see on tap in Australia really. Do you get any feedback from people? surprised by it definitely um i think the surprise for most people is not just the brown ale but also the raspberry wheat as well um and i think both of them are the polarizing beers um so they're the ones that people either really love and get behind and get passionate about them or they're like "Mm, that's not for me so um and it's really interesting Derek pointed out before that you know on site the american pale is our number one seller and our California Lager is the number two, but um, as we're now starting to move into wholesale, the interest from the market and venues out there is the hazelnut brown primarily. And the raspberry. And then the raspberry. So, and I think because they are such different beers um, that, you know, they're they're attracting a lot of attention from people. But um, as we were talking about earlier in this area, you know, a lot of people don't know craft beer in the area. So, we probably get a lot of questions around, you know, oh, what's like a Carlton Draft? What's like a Peroni? What um, tastes most like beer? We, yeah. we actually we actually had a customer. All of them. Yeah, we actually had a customer two days ago come up to the bar and say, so which beer tastes like beer? And that was our response, all of them. And it's such a, like, so, so ingrained, you know, um, the last almost 100 years, it's been ingrained that this one kind of beer is Generic what beer is. Bland, fizzy yellow lager. So I guess, you know, <laughs> you guys are almost on the front line of changing that in this yeah. part of the world. Yeah. Definitely. And and for us that is what's really rewarding is having people who've never tried craft beer before or these styles of beer and come back and say, Wow, that was great. And then, you know, like my dad 
grew up on VB or you know, commercial lagers and he was telling us the other night, or oh, since I've been drinking Derek's beer, I can't, I can't, drink, it anymore. can't drink the other stuff <laughs> anymore. So <laughs> it's like, yes, <laughs> changing the world a person at a time. It is amazing <laughs> how much people's palates can change after, you know, if you're coming here every night, yeah, then going to a VB is going to be a, yeah. a big change back. Yeah. It's, it's a good... Um, it's, it's a good feeling when you see people, it's quite addictive actually being in here because when you see people come in and try your beer or your food and, and just see them enjoy it and come back for more, it's, mm. it's an incredible feeling. But I think the most rewarding is when somebody comes in and says those words, what's most like a VB or most like a Carlton Draft? And you give them something else to try and then they go, well, wow. You know? It doesn't always work. Some people just say it's not for me mm. and that's okay. But when you get the people that do get converted and then now they're regular we have people that never had craft beer before and they're in here two three times a week it's just amazing do you think if this was just a bar would that have the same impact or having the brewery on site would that help you guys do you think i think it's an it's a hard one to answer because there was nothing in the area in terms of a venue like this brewery aside um you know i think we're getting people anyway because of that but the brewery does add that extra element of romance. You know, you, you sit, for those of you that have been here, it's quite an open space. So you sit in the dining room and the tanks are very present. Um, you know, you, you really see them. We get a lot of people standing at the gate looking over into the brewery. So there is, there Blokes is something. Blokes love to look at machinery, right? Isn't exactly. They lean up yeah. on the pallets. Big, big shiny toys. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. There's something, there's something. I'll just use that word again. There's something romantic about, you know, being in the place where it's brewed. You can smell it. You can see it. You know it's come, you know, low-carbon footprint. It's yeah. come two metres from that side to this side. So um, I definitely think that is a point of difference for us as a venue. Um, and it is a draw card for people. But um, it's really hard to say, yeah, that if, if the, I don't think that's the primary reason that people come. Um, it is for some people, um, but for others, it definitely adds to the ambience. We talked to um, Scott and Renee from Wolf of the Willows a few months ago now, and uh, Scott said that you're responsible for probably five kilos uh, <laughs> at, at least. So, um, how long <laughs> have you been dancing the brewery? Just <laughs> tried things actually. <laughs> how long have you been um, cooking, and what, what's got you into that style of food? Uh, I've been cooking for as long as I can remember, so it's always been a passion of mine. Um, I'm a, actually a mad keen baker, so I do a lot of cake making and baking and, you know, I've done wedding cakes and birthday cakes and, um, you know, when Derek comes home and tells me he needs to emotionally eat, I'll whip up a, bap of, a batch of churros and caramel hot sauce for him so you know it's something I've always been interested in and um, I, I have uh, my whole family's quite creative um, and I, I have an art background um, but I don't get a lot, of, a lot of opportunity to do creative things anymore so cooking is that creative outlet with instant gratification at the end of it so I just love it and I love making things so you know I done cheese making course and make my own cheese not so much anymore because i'm here 20 hours a day but um um it's something i'm very passionate about and it's just something i've always done so i've always cooked and baked um in terms of the american style food um 
I've just always liked barbecue, I guess, and and uh, gosh, yeah, it's a it. it's so. a style of cooking I got into about five years ago. So probably around about the same time, um, Derek started brewing and just started reading forums as well and following blogs around barbecue and started you know started tentatively making stuff at home and I thought no I can do this better same as Derek so I read a few more blogs and forums and um, started smoking my own meat started curing and smoking my own bacon and it it just became quite addictive so um, you know and I'm I'm really passionate about striking that balance in in terms of flavor and you know we'd always invite people over to our place and have beer and barbecue days so Derek would have 10 beers on tap that he'd brewed we've got a kegerator at home yeah (laughs) um and and you know I'd be the one outside barbecuing so everyone everyone would be like why are you barbecuing and not Derek (laughs) (laughs) but that's where the name came from too we just did he actually came up with it and we were um we just invite friends and nobody would ever say no ever because it'd be beer and barbecue and we'd just they're sampling market for us and we still didn't have a name and we do it again and again and people would always say we just can't say no to you guys and yeah one night we just kind of sat back and we're talking about how you know they'd always be like you guys are like the ones that are always making us eat the naughty food and drink the drink the beer and and diddy one night just kind of says kind of like we're the bad shepherd and we're like Hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and it just stuck. So. And I just noticed you the logo. Um, or can you explain the logo to us for those that haven't seen it yet? Yeah. Um, so the logo, it's interesting. Some people, you can see two different things in it and some very special people or clever people see the full meaning. <laughs> so if you look on... I'm hoping I'm clever now that I've... <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're clever. There was, no, there was no judgment cast there <laughs> at all. Um, I might so only see two, so I'm sorry. <laughs> so when you first going. look at it, it actually looks like the head of a ram. Um, and, you know, ram is synonymous, I guess, with shepherd's flock and I, and probably a little bit ahead of sheep. So we didn't want to go with the sheep in, in, um, symbolism. but um, So it looks like a ram. But when you break the symbol down, it's actually um, made up of two items on the right hand side or if you're looking at it on the left hand side is a crook so it's the shepherd's crook which kind of represents that leading side and and the good side and on the other side is a scythe Mm. um, which could be associated with the grim reaper also associated with the naughty side but also used for cutting grains and barley yeah yeah so um yeah it's a Quite a clever There's a design. lot of depth to that. I yeah. didn't get all of those all <laughs> those points. I'll admit that now. Yeah. Guess I'm not clever enough. <laughs> <laughs> it it, yes, it kind of just the whole, the whole idea we thought was you know you you're always living your life trying to trying to eat well, live well. You got all the stresses, time pressures, kids especially in this area, um, and we wanted to be the place where you could just let it all go. And it's not so much being evil as being naughty. So you come in this place, you're not you're not going to get a indulge. rocket salad but you're going to get great barbecue meat. You're going to get coleslaw, mac and cheese, great beers, and you can, you can have a, a really good time with your friends and, and worry about eating well and, and, you know, and the kids and, and life stresses later. But when you come in these doors, we want to let you indulge and yeah. enjoy. And that's why we wanted to lead you into temptation and let you, let you go. Yeah. So. And from the food perspective, we're very much about comfort food. And I know it's a really big trend in Melbourne, but for us, it's always how we've liked to eat mm. um you know i mean I, I love going to a great restaurant um 
as much as anyone else, but sometimes I walk out going, I wish I'd just had a burger. Mm. Um, and I know Scott said he's put on five kilos. <laughs> I'll just counteract that with I've lost five kilos since I started working <laughs> You give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> and I eat this food three times a day, every day. <laughs> so it's, so it's, it's made well. You know, we, we make as much as we can in-house. There's something, and I think we sort of discussed it last week, Dave, the um, idea that craft beer and, and casual, like American-style, you know, barbecue and burgers um, and it's sort of different sorts of casual dining have sort of grown hand-in-hand because hand they work together and restaurants are, you know, have been reluctant, like a fine dining restaurant's kind of reluctant to put good beer on, they'll have amazing wine or whatever. So it's kind of getting that acceptance, I guess, mm. um, you know, and it's comfortable to have a, a nice beer and something comforting, as you said. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. And it just goes. I mean, wine can go well with uh, barbecue or, or burger, but there's there's just certain foods that balance well, and I'd argue beer goes better. Yeah. Um, uh, particularly with what we do, so I think that there's a there's a place and we found a happy home for it, and people people enjoy that, especially when we're trying to set again that that place where you just let it all go. Um, we're always going to be relaxed, comfort food, and it just fits for what we want to do. Hmm. So what's the what's the grand plan? <laughs> he says as he <laughs> steeples his fingers and money burns. Um, I, know, I know that's a hard question to ask considering <laughs> you're not long opened as that's well. That's right. Yeah. Um, look, we, we actually thought at the start we would do a bit of uh, retail, on-site and wholesale. And things went so well um, on-site right out the gate, we decided not to wholesale. And so we, uh, we put our beers into grape and grain and that was it um, for the first couple of months. Last week, we actually released a bit of wholesale. The goal had always been to uh, have this as our as our home um, and our place where people can connect with us, um, but we'll make the beer and sell it um, elsewhere, and that's ultimately how um, the business will be viable. Um, I think it still will be that. Uh, we, we just we'll have to continue to grow with it um, and and just kind of suck and see. Um, we've just hired Scott Thompson, Scotty Redbeard, mm-hmm. as our sales guy. So he's starting in two weeks um, and he's already started putting some, a few beers out in market. Um, so we'll see how the wholesale goes. And it kind of goes well with what we've set up. Is it, it with a, you know, the retail operation in the front of the house is Bad Shepherd and a shared brewery in the back. Um, the more we can make that work now between ourselves and Wolf of the Willows and get the most um, I guess volume out of it, the better payback for both businesses. So it's probably the grand plan probably still is to hopefully achieve um, distribution um, across Melbourne, maybe one day across Australia. But um, in our distribution, we want it to be, we really want to be a community-based uh, brewery. So um, our focus um, will almost be entirely within the Bayside suburbs, um, maybe through Glen Ira and Frank, um, uh, Kingston as well, but just all in the southeast. Um, we really want to connect with the community and drive people back to us and have, have a good relationship with those consumers. So, um, and if that goes well, then we'll look at extending our footprint. Um, we will, we will um, promote our beer within craft beer establishments in, in the city, north of the city and east and west, but that's, we won't focus on it. Our focus is going to be within this very immediate area. Um, and we'll see how it goes. From there. If there's one thing that I have learned in the last few years is that people are going to complain when they come down from Sydney and have your beer and they can't get it back. They'll <laughs> ask questions, so you've got to have yeah, some answers it's, prepared. It's a yeah. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, well, okay. I, I'm going to throw a stat at you, and this is where I learned this was. Um, I love Ballast Point. Ninety um, percent of their volume up until well, since they've been purchased, but um, up until the point that they sold, ninety percent of their volume was in San Diego County. They're a 
huge brewery and with tons of other breweries there. Granted, they were early, one of the first ones, but it just goes to show that I think if you focus on the immediate community and you connect with it like they did in San Diego, I think you can grow. You do frustrate. People are always frustrated about not being able to get Ballast Point as good. well. Good. You yeah. have to handle That's it. <laughs> so, you know. It's also it's a good comparison because that um, the Ballast Point venue is unbelievable. It's so like locally focused uh, and the demographic is so diverse there. Everyone just loves, everyone's from 60 year old uh, couples and young girls are all drinking grapefruit sculpin in the beer garden right, it's unbelievable right. yeah right. so and, and it's interesting yeah. looking here when you see we we always said our target consumer would be somebody sort of 30 to 55 family-based suburban um and we put it here we, we hope that was that would happen and it has it it, it has on mass everybody here 90 percent of the people are walk up within these four suburbs uh 80 maybe but um and in that age group you know, we rarely see people under 30. Um, we do have some senior citizens groups and stuff come in here, but it's, it's a very, it, it is, it, it connects with the immediate community in that sort of demographic. That's great. The uh, other group that we get are a lot of families and young families. So, yeah, and we are very <laughs> family <afternoon>. friendly. <laughs> so we have high chairs, we have kids toys available. Um, and it's just nice, I think, for parents to be able to go out somewhere and enjoy themselves and bring their kids too. So um, it makes it a more welcoming place, even like as you know, if you're going by yourself, even if you're walking into a bar that's nice and bright and there's families there, it, it feels, I don't know, it feels more local and friendly rather than kind of a dingy pub, which I, I like both, I guess. But um, for a lot of people, I think yeah, venues like this have helped kind of, uh, I guess, grow that family involvement in, in craft beer. Definitely, it's a, it's definitely an incredibly. I mean, it's something that we comment on daily. How diverse our our crowd is, and you do get you know, eighteen year olds through to young families through to um, you know we had we had three lovely older ladies probably in their seventies come in because their kids told them this was the hip place to go, and uh, and they they like visiting new hip places apparently. So um, you know they they had a ball. Um, yeah, there's been a few people that have actually um, mentioned that, oh, I came in because my parents came in last weekend. And it's very rare you can actually hear that and then it actually follows through. And the, the kids enjoy it too, right? But it has. There's a couple of people that where we bank, they, both of them have said, you know, my parents are there last night. I'm coming tonight. Pretty cool that both of you can come in your own groups and still fit. Yeah, and yeah. So, yeah. And that's almost, you know, pubs have kind of... Um, you know, they're always that community meeting place, and now, yeah. and breweries, I guess, traditionally were you know centres of towns in a lot of countries. So, yeah. it's so awesome that, that that's happening again. It's that kind of re-engagement of everyone into, yeah, yeah, a meeting yeah. place rather yeah, than just it's, a. It's a pretty cool setup. You can never take the home brewer out of the man. So, what's <laughs> what, what's been percolating in your mind to um, bust out a little bit? You know, and it's an interesting one. Dave, because we have to strike a balance between uh, what we realize with this target consumer, we, at least for, for the foreseeable future, we can't be at the forefront of innovation because it just doesn't connect with this consumer who's, who's um, we're a gateway for them, um, which I get frustrated with because a lot of things I want to do. So w we've decided that we will take styles that um, are craft, um, but um, are, have broader appeal and put our spin on them. I'm not unlike the hazelnut brown. So um, I think we can try to push the boundaries of, with people a little bit um, and um, 
couple of things that we're looking at doing. What's a glaring omission from our range right now is an India Pale Ale. Right, um, okay. So that's next up on the horizon. I'm, in fact, I'm brewing next week a red IPA. Cool. So that'll be, um, that'll be the first kick at the can. Um, it'd be a one-off, though. Um, I'm still dialing in my actual IPA recipe, and I don't feel like it's there yet. Awesome. So that'll, I'd like that'll to. be next out the gate. Um, and then down the road, we're hoping to do, um, well, in autumn, we're going to be coming out with an oatmeal stout. Um, and then uh, rolling into uh, late winter, we'll probably, we'll always have uh, seasonals we'll do. I'll probably be doing a double IPA. So that's where we'll probably push the pallets people in here. But I'm really, that's, that's the home brewer in me when <laughs> it comes out. I really want to do a double IPA. <laughs> so, yeah. It also comes back, I guess, to what we touched on earlier is don't underestimate what people might respond to as well. You know, there's sort of. That's right. Maybe the, the seven-year-old ladies coming in are going to love a giant face melting IPA who knows <laughs> you never know right and it, it does amaze you sometimes with uh, people's responses to uh, to flavor in beer so yeah hmm. awesome do you have any more questions Dave we're good anything you guys want to add about Bad Shepherd or, or craft beer or anything in general I'll throw one thing in. Um, for those of you that do visit the brew pub, um, a customer of ours actually came up with this. Try blending the raspberry wheat while we still have it with the hazelnut brown. Awesome. It kind of tastes like a cherry ripe if cherry ripe was a beer, but not sweet. It's awesome. Yeah, it is an interesting blend. Actually. Are you going to so. put that on the blackboard as a, like a, a pro tip order a blend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we let people know. Okay. We let people know. Um, yeah. The other thing I'll add is um, we run a secret menu every week. So it's something that's not on our normal menu and you have to whisper a password to the bar person to get that item. How do you find out the password? Follow us on Facebook. Awesome. That's a good way to get people following you on Facebook. It's pretty funny because I think the first time we merged about three different of our bar. So during the day, uh, we have a lunch menu, which is all barbecued meat, smoked meat that we um, that we make cool sandwiches like Rubens and Cubanos and, and things like that. And, and we merged them all into one. I think is what we did. And we called it, uh, I think a Cubano and... Um, and the, the ribbon was the communist, <laughs> and you had to, the the the, uh, the code word was comrade, <laughs> so you had to come in and say that to get the. So <laughs> our, our other one, our other one was the everything bun. So it was a brioche bun that was hulled out and stuffed with um, a jalapeno popper, nacho cheese, uh, chili con carne, brisket, pulled pork, and the password was buns of steel. <laughs> um, so what's, what's today's one? Does the uh, we do don't we have one today, actually. Oh, okay. it'll, yeah. There'll be one next week, though. Yeah. Uh, By the time uh, this comes out, there will be one. Well, well yeah. uh, I, I'll give you a heads up. So our next one will be the treasure hunt. So it's fries. Uh, it's chili cheese fries, but in it are hidden um, chicken wings and jalapeno poppers. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the only thing, other thing that I would say probably just a shameless plug but just that we're open um wednesday to sunday from midday um close at 11 during the week um midnight on friday saturday and eight on sunday and um and we'll always have our beers plus um the wolf of the willows beers we always have two of their beers on tap um as our brewing partner they always have a place um on our taps um and we'll also always have rotating guest taps and they'll always be independent victorian craft breweries that we want to support so that's important to us that we um, it's one thing I love seeing breweries doing is, you know, even one tap that's just rotating and something yeah. they like. And it kind of, you know, you're saying your market is people just kind of local to the area and new to craft beer. It's also saying, 
you know, hey, we're here, but there's also these guys across the other side of the Exactly. Scene. And it only does well for everybody. Uh, you know, I, I hope more brew pubs do that as well. But, mm. you know, we, right, right now we've got some pretty cool beers on. Like the Seven Cent Mr. Sparkle, it's a sake fermented beer. Like, how cool is that? And it helps people introduce because we can't do it with, again, because of our target consumer, we can't be the ones that are at the forefront of um, uh, challenging styles. But places like Seven Cent can, and we can celebrate that, put that on here as a guest tap, and that sort of pushes palates a little bit. Mm. So it's actually kind of balances very well so but yeah, um, it's also good when you um, feature the uh, brands and breweries that mean something to you because it adds the extra yeah. story behind it that's and, right um, that's yeah. right mm. and and the, when we started the ones that all helped me places like Mornington Boat Rock or Two Birds these people all really helped us get going and we rotated their beers through a lot at the start because I really wanted to give them a Guernsey here but um, since then we've decided that we'll always support as much as possible um, new breweries in Victoria and if not new then um, existing Victorian and independent breweries so we want to help the community the, the craft beer community so there, there, there will always be taps here for other craft breweries most importantly what was it like having Sam Calagione excited about oh that Shepherd? oh my god that was crazy <laughs> I just couldn't so I talked to him for five minutes before, and then he just said, Derek, come on up here and tell everybody about the... <laughs> Unbelievable. So, so he got to try your beers? Well, it, it, no, he didn't. Um, but so what happened... So was, next time um, he's out, then he'll, he'll come brew yeah, here. <laughs> I should have invited him, because he, he actually even remembered me by name. And it was at the local tap house event. And, um, and while he was up there talking, he just, mid-conversation, just kind of said... Uh, I, I was sitting in front row, sitting beside Dave. Keeners. <laughs> so, um, we were sitting there and, and he just said, Derek, why don't you come up on stage and tell everybody about your beer so, or about your brewery? So I did. And it, I was not ready for that. So. <laughs> it was really nice to see how like genuinely excited he was about uh, new local stuff happening. Oh, he was. Yeah. yeah. And, and unapologetic um, and unashamed about the fact he's, he is independent and, and proud of it and will never sell out. Like he was just... Yeah, he's, he's somebody that really inspired me. Um, he stands by what he believes, and he believes in his brand, and, he, and he's grown. He hasn't needed to um, to sell his soul to grow. Mm. Um, he's, a, he's a great inspiration for what craft beer can go to. He's a good Australia. ambassador, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so... We've got um, we've got some tasters for you here. I don't know if you want to dig into those. Yeah, I think um, after. maybe we'll, we'll hit uh, stop and uh, <laughs> yeah. dig into these while we record our intro, which Excellent. will come after the... <laughs> the main interview. Um, thanks so much, guys, for, for joining us on the podcast. Where do um, we find you on social media? You can follow us at Bad Shepherd Brewery. Um, we are also on Twitter and Instagram and Google+. So if you just do a Google search for us, all our, um, all our handles will come up. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our website is still under construction, but it will be live hopefully in the next week. So it's at badshepherd.com.au. Cool. And we'll put all the links to that on our um, show notes. So, Excellent. Yeah. Equally short walking distance from Hyatt and Cheltenham Station, so there's no excuses. Which one did you choose? Hyatt. Okay, I chose Hyatt as well. Yeah, nice. seems like the best option. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think a 12-minute walk. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So actually a nice walk. Um, Lovely walk on a day like today. Once yeah. you get here, you're ready for a beer. Definitely. You definitely are. Speaking all right. of which, let's end this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. I want to uh, tuck into these yeah, beers okay. in front of me. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Much appreciated. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Right, welcome back after some uh, technical issues here. I know, embarrassing. Anyway, Dave Q 
can you give Let's us get this done quickly. I want to eat some food, eh? A non-beer yeah. recommendation? Yeah, mate. Uh, I will give you... It's, it's conceivable that this has been a recommendation in the past, but season two is upon us, so I'm recommending Cop Show, which is uh, a web series, uh, oddly enough, from L Studios, which I think is Lexus, the car company. Okay. So um, they've got uh, a production company at the moment uh, producing Colin Quinn's web series, which essentially is Law and Order meets The Office. I was sitting on the couch crying with laughter during... It's, it's There are maybe six to ten minute episodes each, so you can burn through the entire catalogue in a couple of hours. Where do, I, where do you find it? Uh, lstudios.com uh, is probably the best place. I think they're going through their channel on YouTube as well, so you can YouTube it as well. But uh, if you like Colin Quinn, and if you don't, I don't think you should be listening to this podcast. Uh, it, it's, it's hysterical. Awesome. Why... Um Mine is kind of a generic recommendation. Go on. Uh, go to the movies. Oh, yeah? The last few months I've, I've been to IMAX a couple of times. Yeah. Just, I saw Star Wars there. Uh, Hateful Eight in 70 mil, uh, which was awesome. We saw The Revenant yesterday, which was really intense. Uh, and I've just been loving going to the movies. Sweet. Go, like, yeah. Um, if you are in Melbourne and you're out west, go to the Sun Theatre in Yarraville. It's awesome. All right. But if you're not, just go Strong. to your nearest movie theatre. Now, I'd like you to start with your recommendation of beer because I've forgotten mine. I need to so remember mine to. Oh, no, I remember mine now. Yeah, go on. The 8 Wired uh, New Flanders Red. Cool. Barrel aged in red wine barrels. Could La Do you know Foot. what wine it was? Not off the top of my head. Okay. I'm not sure if it's labelled there. Um, but it's beautiful. It's very rodenbucky in that woody, uh, quietly vinegary, but really well refined, really drinkable. Um, Eight Wired have just kind of hit out, out the park again with one of their barrels. They're so. flying at the moment, yeah. Um, let's introduce an Eight Wired Love Fest today because yeah. mine is going to be uh, the C4 Double Brown Coffee Ale. I think they make it once a year nowadays, do they? Not sure. Not sure, I think, but I the one that I had is maybe two or three years old and it was magnificent. So get it, drink it fresh. If you have the space and the patience, chuck a bottle or two away because it was so delicious after some time it's a massive recommendation for me awesome now Dave where can we find you on the internet uh, you can grab me on Twitter and Instagram at Mel Dave how about your good self uh, at Isle of a Time Twitter and Instagram uh, find me on Snapchat at Isle of a Time I was going to Periscope today oh first, yeah I forgot about that but I forgot it maybe so next episode next, we'll do next some episode Periscoping. we'll do some Periscoping um, like us on Facebook rate us on iTunes uh, thank you to Toe Hider. Toe Hider have got a gig coming up here in Melbourne. So Whereabouts do you know? Ding Dong Lounge. Nice. Um, and my friend Andrew Saltmarsh will be doing some art for it as well, some live art, and he's a very talented artist. So get down to that and check it out. Thank you so much for Bad Shepherd for hosting us. They've been a great host today. Very good host. It's a good spot. Come down and see for yourself. Dying to get some of their food into oh, these. Mate. All right. Let's thanks everyone now. for listening. See you later.